0: Amen. You can have a seat. probably you, uh, some of you watch some of the same shows that we do, and there's these shows on HGTV about, you know, there's a guy who's a contractor and his wife is a designer, and somebody buys a house, and then they're going to fix it up and make it their dream home, right? So they got to tear it all apart and then redo it, and inevitably along the way, something doesn't go according to plan, right? And sometimes it's relatively minor, and sometimes it's a big deal, something electrical or plumbing or roof, but the thing that no one wants to hear is that we've discovered a foundation problem, right? Because then the the dollar signs start flashing and they cut to commercial and you think it's all going to fall apart. Well, they come back and fix it, but it has to be fixed, right? Because you can't replace countertops and paint walls and do all that nice stuff and not fix the foundation. The foundation has to be repaired or there's going to be more problems. So they have to fix that. And, and you know, foundations are important in all parts of life. Educationally, we need a good foundation. If there's something missing in our educational foundation in terms of whether it's reading or language or math or science, if one of those is neglected, then we're going to feel it in lots of areas of life. And it's true spiritually as well. We need a strong spiritual foundation or our relationships with other people will be affected. Our sexuality will be affected. The way we spend our money will be affected. All those things are affected by our spiritual relationship with God. And so I want us to spend the next few weeks thinking about a foundation for our relationship with God. And to do that, I want us to go back to the the very beginning. And we're going to look at the book of Genesis. In fact, Genesis is a Greek title for a Hebrew book that means beginning or origins or the start of something. And we're going to look at chapters one and two, just those two chapters for four weeks, and think about what these stories tell us about our relationship with God. Now, what we see is that chapter 1 tells the story of creation, and it's very formal language, my guess, is that it was written to be used in the temple as a part of worship. Chapter 2 tells the story in a little more relaxed and narrative form. It's more like a story, okay? And, and I think they're less concerned with biology and geology and more concerned with who God is and who we are in relationship with God. And I think there is a lot to be learned about that relationship relationship by looking at these two chapters about origins. Now, you know, one of the things that lots of us do when we meet someone we've never met is to to ask them where they're from. Because it seems like that says something important about who they are, and in fact, it will feel a little bit like our knowledge of that person is incomplete if we don't find out where they're from. We're missing something about them that really matters. And I think there's probably a collective sense of this as well. Like we want to know where did we come from? Because if we don't know that, we're missing an important piece of information about who we are. So these stories of where humanity came from really do matter. And so I want us to look at the stories that we find in Scripture. Genesis 1. And Genesis 2. And today we're going to start by thinking about part of Genesis chapter 1. Well, it all begins, well, at the beginning. What does this say about the God that we serve? That's the question I want us to come back to over and over. It starts this way. It's easy to find in your Bible. If you can't find anything else, this is easy. The very first verse of the Bible, probably page one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, when I was a kid, And we did memory verses, and you might get a piece of candy if you had a verse memorized on Sunday morning for Sunday school. Man, this was a go-to verse, right? It's short. You can pronounce all the words. You understand it. It's easy, all right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It seems really simple, but in truth... It packs a punch that some verses that are a lot longer and maybe more difficult to get through really are. Almost every phrase matters. In the beginning. When I think about that. What? What beginning? Well, what we find is that the language of the Hebrew in that phrase points to a beginning time period. Not just one like point, but a beginning era, a beginning time. In the beginning time, the beginning period... God created. The writer of Genesis is assuming that God is there at the beginning. The beginning of everything that is, God is already present. He is already there, ready to do this creating. And some people might ask, well, what was God doing before the beginning? Well, theologians through the years have answered that question with sort of different variations on the quip. God was preparing hell for people who ask stupid questions, okay? I don't think that's true, all right? But the point is, we can't and won't know the answer to that question. What was God doing before the beginning? Well, my guess is, even if God tried to explain that to us, we wouldn't get it. Because Being bound by space and time, we don't understand before there is space and time. So if God tried to tell us, we probably wouldn't understand. But God was there. That's what the writer of Genesis is saying. God is present. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, in a world where it was assumed that what we have here is the center of the universe, right? I mean, everything else is moving up there, so we must be at the center. When you say the heavens, all I can see, and the earth, where I'm standing, you mean everything. And that was a language that the Hebrews used for everything, the heavens and the earth. All that is. In the beginning, God created this one specific God, created, and we might go back to that word because it's a unique word in the Hebrew language. If we look at that word throughout the Old Testament, the only one who creates throughout, the only time that word is used is with God. God is always the creator. And it's always God creating something fresh and new, a fresh expression of who he is. So in the beginning, this specific God created and creation is, is to him alone everything that is. There's a lot in that one first verse. And I promise we're not going to spend as much time on every verse as we did that one, right? But in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if we read that and that's all all we had, we'd sort of think, well, God's done, right? God's created. The the heavens and the earth are there, so he's finished. But verse 2 tells us a different story, that God was actually just getting started. Now, the earth was formless and empty Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, virtually every word in in the first half of that verse says what we have at this point is chaos. The earth was formless. It, It did not have the form that it has now. It was void. It was empty. There's nothing there. It's dark, and that it's deep. And that word deep is for salty, deep ocean water that the people of Israel had wanted nothing to do with. It was seen as chaos. Okay, So what we have is is really God has created, but what God has done so far is just really created the raw materials of what we know to be the universe. It doesn't look anything like what we know now. In fact, you can't see anything because it's dark. So this is not supporting life at this point. This is just the raw materials of what will be. And now God gets to work. And so for six days, God takes these raw materials and makes them into what we know as our world, the heavens and the earth. So what's the very first thing that God did? Verse three, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And the word there can be translated good, but it could be just as easily and accurately translated beautiful. God saw that it was beautiful, and He separated the light from the darkness. Now that strikes me. First of all, God, God spoke this into existence. God didn't have to do anything, He just spoke it, and it was and suddenly there's light. And that, that changes everything, right? I mean, we can have the same experience in the same place sort of at two different times, one in darkness and one when it's light. And the whole feeling of the thing changes. Most of us went through something like this, that this week, right? We had light, and then suddenly we didn't in our own homes or our places of work. And it has a different feeling when the lights go out. And before this day, everything is completely dark. And you've got the sea crashing in on itself. This scene of utter chaos and suddenly it's light. And you can imagine what difference that makes. The sea unsettled in the dark is different from looking at the sea in the daytime when there's light. And God saw that it was beautiful. Now, Sometimes we Christians get caught up in functionality, right? Do things have a reason for existence? What what can we do with it? What did God do with it? And then we see this, this God that we serve looking across creation that still is a little bit disorderly. And he says it's beautiful because there's light. And there's something about this God who loves beauty, who loves seeing something that is truly good that I think we sometimes miss when we read the rest of the Bible or think about who we believe God to be. And so we've got this first step, and the day ends, there's morning, there's evening, and and God is beginning to bring order to this chaotic group of raw materials that are our universe by making light and separating day and night verse 6 day 2 and we might note in Hebrew there's no there's no names for days so there's no sunday monday tuesday it's just day 1 day 2 day 3 so it's reflected here we've had the first day now we go to the second day verse 6 and god said let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water so god made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it and it was so god called the vault sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day. Now, when I was a kid, the older translations all said God created a firmament. Now, I never used the word firmament any time other than when we were studying Genesis 1, and I had no idea what it meant, okay? Now, the newer translations do that a little bit better because, again, we've got to put ourselves back in ancient times and think about how they understood the world. And what they saw was land that was flat around them. And if you look up, It sure looks like a dome, doesn't it? It looks like it's rounded. And they sort of sensed that there was a hardness to it that separated the water above, because you need clouds up there to send rain, and the water that is below that form our seas. And so vault or dome is probably a lot better than firmament, because nobody knows what that means anyway. But you can see the word firm in there, thinking that this was a harder sort of shell. So God is further organizing this creation. On day two, he separates the water that we need above because we need rain. Now, if you had described to the ancient peoples that that somehow the water of the seas and the lakes evaporates, goes into the sky, recondenses and comes back down and that's how we have rain, they would have had no idea what you're talking about. So they got language that they could understand. That God separated water so there would be rain, which is going to provide life for what comes next. God is ordering creation. This water that seems out of control. God is separating and making sky and sea. God further demonstrates his power over creation in verse 9. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. That's going to be necessary. We're glad God did that. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was beautiful. That it was good. And my guess is that many of us have gone to places where the land and the sea meet one another The land and the lakes, the land and the rivers meet one another because what we find there is beauty. And we want to see it. And it gives us a sense that we can't find anywhere else. The writer continues. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds and God saw that it was good and beautiful and there was evening and there was morning the 3rd day. So God separates water from water, sky and land, or sky and sea and then water from dry ground. And then that dry ground begins to produce Vegetation, God continuing to order things. And we see the complexity of creation begin to really play itself out on this third day as vegetation comes out of the ground. Now, God could have just created an oak tree over here, and then when that one dies, He's got to create another one to replace it, and then another one after that. But what God does in this incredible complexity of creation is He makes it so that it reproduces itself. So that God doesn't have to make oak tree after oak tree. He just makes one or ten and they reproduce themselves over and over again and spread across the face of the earth. That's what God did. Incredible order in what he does. And he looked down and he saw that this creation that is beginning to find order is beautiful. It is good. It is what is needed for what's next. Now we're going to pause there, and next week we're going to pick up and read the rest of chapter one of Genesis in those last three days. But, but what we see is God taking those raw materials and forming them into something that can then sustain and support life. It is, it is language that the scholars say is very similar to the language of the priests constructing the temple of God and expecting God to come and fill that temple with His presence, it's as if God is creating space. Sea, land, sky, and in the next three days, He's going to fill that space. And He has made it just so that the things He's going to put in that space will be be sustained and supported by what He's done before. God is ordering creation to support life. Now, when we look at this story, one of the interesting things to do is to set alongside it the stories of other cultures of the ancient world. Lots of cultures had what what we would call a creation myth, an origins myth. And what we find is that they are nothing like this story. What we find in some of those stories is that the way that the earth comes into existence is that the gods are at war. And one god kills his opponent and he creates what is, forms what is, out of the carcass of this defeated god. Now, what we find in this story is that God creates out of nothing the raw materials and then forms them by ordering them according to what's needed. It's a very different story. Or sometimes we see the gods and goddesses having relations with one another, and through that, the the universe sort of comes into being. This is a very different story from that. And it strikes me that the God of Scripture is very different from all of those gods. We are seeing a picture painted of this one God that will be fully introduced through the rest of Scripture that is unlike anything that we see in the rest of the ancient world. It's not that that God is at war with somebody and because of that, He ends up creating this sort of existence out of something that has died, but that God brought it all into being and then made it orderly. It's not accidental. It's not some odd thing that just happened, but God chose this to happen for a reason, and it's headed somewhere. And one of the things that it teaches me, and I think there is a host of things, really, is that God has been faithful from the beginning. God has been planning for our existence and the existence of life from the moment that He created those raw elements that would be the universe. Since before the very first person placed his bare feet on the cool grass, God was planning for it. God was faithful to give us what we need. This God who brought all this into existence was faithful to create something that would support and sustain us until he returns. And I think there's all kinds of truths that grow out of that. First of all, that God has a plan. I mean, this creation story, this account that we find in Genesis 1 tells us God had a plan. He didn't just say, well, let's see what we're going to do today. No, he did it in a specific order with an end in mind to support the life that he's going to create on those last three days. God has a plan. This is a God who plans ahead. And so we can expect that God still has a plan, and that he is working that plan, and that history is headed somewhere. We can see, second, that God provides. God gives us what we need. Not necessarily what we want, not necessarily everything that we ask for, but in general, God provides for the needs of humanity. God provides what what we need now, and God provides what we need for eternity, God is at work. And finally, that God will be faithful. He was faithful from before we were created, and He will be faithful for eternity. As far as we might be able to look back beyond the beginning, God always was. This faithful God existed. He existed to create, and He will exist forever and will be faithful. Now, what we find is that when we get to the story of Noah, it literally says humanity, the word is, had ruined creation, ruined it, messed it up. But you see, God had a plan even then, a plan for bringing this creation back to what he intended it to be. This is a God who was faithful, who is faithful, and will always be faithful. As part of what this story is telling us, a God that we can always depend on. Let's pray together. Now we're thankful that you're the God who we can trust, God who is always faithful to us, a God who takes care of us. And as we see the beauty that you've created, the beauty that you wanted, as we see the order that you've brought into being, that we're brought to worship. We're in awe. We begin to see a bit of who you are. And for that, God, we worship you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.